Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Talk, a podcast where Amit and I talk about various technology-related topics that are uh, new and upcoming. Today, we're going to talk about MFA, or multi-factor authentication. It is a very, um, uh, well, not, not too recent, but for um, at least five, six years now, it's become very popular and it's a very uh, strong way of protecting your data and identity and information. So um, I feel like our audience would benefit from understanding how it works, what's the, what's the backend technology of it, and as a user, how you benefit from it. I know it could be annoying a lot of the times when you lose access and giving your, you know, uh, your proving your identity in different ways, but it is really strong and helpful to keep everyone safe. So thank you very much for joining us today in our uh, Tech Talk episode. Um, today is actually a very special episode for us because this is our 50th episode. We started our journey um, just, a, just less than two years ago. Um, uh, we started our first episode and Amit and I have gone through a lot of, um, a lot of, lot of stories in, in the past two years. A lot has changed in our personal lives. But we kept going because we really do enjoy uh, having these talks. A lot of the times I learn a lot just by talking. And some sometimes some topic or concept is a little bit blurry or fuzzy in my head. But as I am talking and uh, trying to explain it to you guys, it becomes more clearer for me as well. So it's, it's very, uh, very enjoyable and fun for us to do this and I'm glad that we made it to 50th episode. Uh, the audience, uh, whoever has been with us from the beginning or uh, along the way, uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed our content and will keep doing so. Please do feel free to share and um, give us your feedback and thoughts. So uh, Amit, do you have uh, a few things to say on, on our Episode. Yes, uh, Renat. Thank you so much for that introduction. And yes, uh, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, it is our 50th episode. So it's a long journey. We started in 2020. And now it's 2022. So in just under two years, we have completed 50th episode, which is a huge uh, deal for us. As Renat mentioned, we went through a lot of ups and downs in our lives. Uh, I, I became a father. Uh, Renat got married, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of changes, and uh, so that's why our, our the frequency of our episodes was uh, a bit erratic. I mean, we had a good frequency in the beginning, then it stopped, then we again picked up, then it again dipped, and now we are back at it again. So yeah, so thank you so much for your, all your patience and uh, for your time to tune into the, our episodes and listen to us uh, every. Uh, episode and uh, listen to what we talk about different technologies and in today's episode we are going to talk about multi-factor authentication we have covered bits and pieces about it in our previous episodes so if you have been following us then you uh, would have uh, you would have seen uh, or you would have listened to uh, some of the topics like biometrics and uh, other things so in today's uh, topic uh, or today's podcast we will cover about multi-factor authentication and it's a very exciting topic it's something that everyone is aware of but we just wanted to give a new dimension to it 
Yeah, absolutely. As you said, everyone is aware of, but uh, from a user perspective, um, and um, a lot of us, as far as I've heard, are annoyed slightly as well because of the implementation of it. Because when you do get locked out, and uh, it does happen, and then you have to go through a lot of hassle to go to multiple devices and multiple ways of getting code, and then sometimes the code doesn't appear or you know, comes in your junk mail, a lot of these things. But um, again, even from user perspective, it is, it is um very powerful way of protecting your account. So uh, uh, definitely, definitely do encourage to keep it on wherever you have that option. And um, it it's it's not every time you log in, in most, most places, you don't have to do the multi-factor authentication every time you log in. So it, the hassle is not, um, you know, uh, it, a constant every time it's um it's intermittent and uh, it's rare to be honest um I, I remember when i changed my phone that's when i had to do it a lot of times to sort of tell all of my accounts that who i am but once you've done that you know very rarely do you have to prove yourself over and over again but um that's why it, i would say that this intermittent hassle is, is worth it the way MFM ensures more security on, on all of your devices. So, definitely, yeah. definitely. And uh, I mean, we, we, we talk about MFA, but a lot of people are actually familiar with 2FA, which is two-factor authentication. Mm. Uh, and some people actually are not aware of two-factor authentication as well, and they're just familiar with logging in with passwords. So the topic that we are covering today is multi-factor authentication. So everyone understands authentication, right? So whenever we go to a website and we have to log in, that is our authentication. Who is logging in and do they have the right permissions to log in and uh, to use the product or the service? So that's the authentication bit, factor, multiple factors. Uh, a factor could be a password, a pin, uh, a uh, a token, uh, your biometrics, your fingerprints. So those could be factors and multi means different factors. So when you're trying to authenticate with multiple factors, a password, a pin, an SMS code, uh, a token, biometrics, that is multi-factor. So predominantly we had only one factor. Uh, when we, we, when we began the web journey, it was all about passwords. So you had a, web, uh, a username and you had a password. The username slowly became your email address. So then you had email address and then a password. Then because passwords were sometimes easy to guess and sometimes someone uh, who knows you personally uh, could easily guess your password, it became important to prevent that from happening. So then we had two-factor authentication wherein you would receive a code on your phone because once smartphones became very popular, you could receive an SMS, you could generate a token, you could do many things. You could receive a prompt on your phone and just click on it and it'll allow you to log in on top of your password. So even if someone has your password or even if uh, some website's database got leaked, you uh, would still be safe because you have two-factor authentication enabled for your profile. Then what happened is, okay, two-factor not enough. Maybe you need something else. Maybe the websites need to see how frequently you log in. 
where you log in from what is the location and do i actually need to ask you the password or do i even actually just what has happened recently is that uh, you uh, type in your email and you receive a link and you click on it so you actually go to your email address click on a link and then log in so there is no concept of password so uh, so that's what multi factor authentication stands for and i hope it uh, you understand so it is important to enable it the reason being that if your passwords get leaked or hacked in some database leaks uh, we actually spoke to troy hunt in one of our very initial episodes and he uh, maintains a website called have i been pwned and in that website if you type in your email address it will tell you whether your passwords have been leaked in any of the database leaks for any of the major websites and my password has been leaked as part of linkedin so linkedin got hacked its database got leaked and my password was leaked as part of that hack fortunately i had two factor authentication enabled so even if someone has my password then even then they'll not be able to log in unfortunately i was very naive so i had used that password across multiple websites as well i have changed that habit now but that meant that uh, if the hacker has my password or if anyone who has purchased or seen the database they have my password they would be able to log into other services that i access fortunately enough i had two factor authentication enabled on all the major websites like banking email social media so that's why i was very safe so that's why it is important to have your two factor authentication enabled if you haven't please enable it today yeah absolutely i would ask the same way but yeah some of the some of the things you said are very interesting and um um going back on what you were talking about you know authentication different factors and that is absolutely what it is you know it, it's way ways of authenticating yourself so when you open an account with anyone uh, it could be you know major brand major companies like google facebook or it could be you know smaller accounts with even a local business but uh, you're basically what you're doing is you're opening an account um and for our you know older generation if this is even before well the internet was around you would go to businesses and open or register yourself and you know put your data in a form and they would keep that data and they would have different ways to identify you because wherever you were and whatever the time was uh, in there was it was necessary to identify and to say that you are who you say you are and even in the banks before the era of internet there was you know different ways to identify you now obviously in the era in the age of internet you have you were doing everything remotely so it, it has become easier for imposters to act or um, appear as if it's you so there needs to be more stringent ways of telling you know for the business and for yourself um you are you know both of both of these parties are in one side we both want the right person to be able to access the sensitive data and we want to keep the hacker who is the who in this case is the third party to be away from it now how do you um so 
you, when you create the account, as you said, our you know journey in the past couple of or three decades, you used to create a password, and that we you know became not enough, and we found newer and more comprehensive ways of protecting ourselves. And um, I feel like all the things that you said, there was one one thing common is that you know when you know usernames became email address. When does that happen? It's like as society moved, you know, forward and forward, we became attached to, you know, one or two email addresses. Before, when, you know, email was a new thing, you know, you used to create, or, you know, a lot of people used to create a lot of email addresses and then create a lot of uh, MySpace accounts. I remember get... Yahoo chat, so, so <laughs> many things, Hotmail, you so, had email for Yahoo, Hotmail, etc. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, what happened is you got tired of maintaining so many email addresses and then you ended up with one that you used the most or two. I mean, you know, nowadays I feel like everyone would have at least one Google and Microsoft because even if you're in gaming industry, you can't play Xbox without having a Hotmail account, my Outlook account. And, you know, to use Google services, which now, you know, become quite necessary as part of your daily life, like Google Maps, you need, you know, two, these two accounts, I think everyone would have. And as a result, these two email addresses, but not a lot. So what happens is, you know, there, if there are ways to sort of, sort of attach yourself with an authentication method, that can then be used. So before username became email address, because email address, then you know there is one or two email address and that you're going to always use that. And the same way, uh, as smartphones became more and more popular, before you used to have a lot of phones and a lot of numbers. It, it was not so uncommon for people to have more than, you know, multiple numbers and change numbers quite often as well. Before, Because if even if you change your numbers, you had to say 100 or 200 people in your contacts and it's, it was just a matter of sending a text to everyone saying that, oh, it's my new number, etc. updated. But now, so many of so much of your lives is in your mobile phone and landline has kind of become quite obsolete uh before landline was a very very you know permanent way of attaching yourself uh but that's not there anymore and also with landline you attach the whole family to that number right multiple people or profiles can have the same landline number but mobile numbers are individual and they are very quite permanently attached. Nowadays, people don't want to, you know, uh, change the numbers unless they absolutely have to. So with all of these things, now mobile phones has become a, a very good way of attaching your, your identity to. And that that's one of the reasons why one of the factors is usually your phone. So now you have Authenticator app or SMS, and then you have email addresses where you could be sent code or links. So there are various factors or various ways you can be authenticated, which is on top of your password that becomes quite safe. And, um, you know, um, yeah, passwords can be, you know, it should always still be complicated and difficult to guess. And if you, but, you know, humans make mistakes. And, you know, this is, I think in one of the studies, it was found that, you know, hackers don't, you know, like 2% or 1% of the, 
you know, security vulnerabilities happen when they actually go and, you know, like we see in the movies, they, they hack the database or, you know, figure out you know, some sort of really high technical things and uh, get your password. But 98% of the time, um, you as human make an error, you write it down or give it out somewhere and then you lose or, or through social engineering, you give out that that uh, password away, and uh, it, it's very you know. And the, this large chunk of all of these vulnerabilities can be avoided if you have a second factor or multi-factor authentication. So it is it is actually while could be simple, but quite quite comprehensive in terms of protection. Yeah, I think. Uh... Absolutely. And I, I really liked uh, the fact that you've covered so many things and smartphone essentially. So actually smartphone adoption started predominantly after the iPhone launch in 2007. So once Steve Jobs announced the iPhone, that was the game changer and then later the App Store. So now you had apps for every uh, thing. And because there were so many apps, you needed so many different logins. And because of that, uh, it was difficult for people to create so many passwords. So there was a reuse of passwords. And then slowly and gradually, we saw the adoption of password managers. So a software that would manage your passwords. I actually created a video about how to manage your passwords on KeePass, which is an open source tool. And I'll share uh, the link in the description below. But the important thing is that with the iPhone launch, everyone started slowly and gradually having a smartphone. Now, smartphone may not be very high end. So that's uh, when we had the initial two factor authentication, they were all based on SMS. Because for SMS, you didn't need to actually have a smartphone, you could just receive an SMS, and it will have a code. And every time you log in, you receive that SMS, and then you put in the code, and then you're logged in. But then, uh, as more and more people got a smartphone with a screen and with an Android or iOS uh, software, then uh, more sophisticated applications could be developed and people could install it and then use that for authentication. Now, when we talk about multi-factor authentication, there are basically three categories. Things you know, passwords, pins, uh, your memorable information, your email address, etc., etc. Things you know, then things you have. Second is things you have. What do you have? You have a smartphone. You have a USB stick. You have a USB stick with a fingerprint reader. You have a, a, a token given from your office, etc. So these are things you have. So physical things that you possess. And then inherent things you are, your biometrics, your fingerprints, your eyes, your retina, your voice. So these are inherent to you. So these three categories basically encompasses everything that uh, could be possible for a multi-factor authentication. On top of that, you can add additional layers of geolocation. Where are you logging from? How frequently do you log in from? And have you changed your location recently? Suppose you log in frequently from a website from your home the websites will not ask for two-factor authentication all the time because they know that you're logging from this IP most of the times. But suppose you go traveling. Say you go to Mexico and uh, and you're in London and you go to Mexico and uh, you have to log in. 
So the website immediately recognizes that you are trying to log in, but from an IP that you don't frequently log in from. So then they ask you to authenticate using a two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. Also, there is capture. So when someone is trying to hack you, sometimes they don't go physically or manually to type in your password and hack. They send a bot and we have actually done an episode on bot. So the bot will come and it will try a million passwords on your account and your account can get logged because of that. So, or a bot can be smart and it can uh, try to log in every day or every hour with just one single password. So your account doesn't get logged out and still they can keep trying to log in. And in order to prevent a bot, you have CAPTCHA. So you have so many different ways in which websites are trying to protect you so that your information is not lost. And today, in today's world, it's all linked to a smartphone, which Renat mentioned that uh, with the advent of smartphones, everything changed because smartphone is very personal. You don't have multiple devices. You have one single device. You have one single email address that links your all your accounts to your phone which you carry all the time you go to, you go to a bank you have your smartphone you go on a road trip you have your smartphone you go you go traveling in a flight you have your smartphone so smartphone is coming with you everywhere and these days you don't even have to carry a wallet you can actually pay from your smartphone so you don't need a wallet all you need is a smartphone the challenge is to keep your smartphone charged <laughs> so it doesn't get discharged when you are traveling but that is so important and so critical for uh, all of us and all our lives that uh, the whole industry, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, they are trying to figure out how to protect your account around your smartphone because that is the most crucial bit. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, you know, as I mentioned earlier before, uh, a little bit as well, that, you know, for, from a user perspective, it sometimes does get a little bit annoying and a bit of a hassle to to do all of these things. And um, I think, you know, one of, the, one, one of the times when I faced that was when I switched my phone. I took, my, took the new phone, end of my contract, uh, started a new one. And then you have to re-authenticate yourself on everything. Yes. Yes. Now, one of the things I, um, and this is where I actually want to get your um, um, uh, opinion, actually, because I also, I, I found it annoying to a degree that I thought that, okay, you know what, the, the, there has to be a better way. I get the security part, but so what it was, was the authentication app. Um, so I had, uh, as recommended by various, uh, you know, Google, Microsoft, etc., that you should have that second factor. Uh, instead of we us sending you a text, you should have it saved as an authenticator app. So yeah, I mean, one of the one of the, you know, uh, incidents was that I was, um, you know, using authenticator app as I was told that it's more secure uh, than text message and this is what i want to understand if you have any idea why is it that we're told that authenticator app is more secure than sending a text message in both ways i am being authenticated through my phone that i have my phone and uh, you know uh, if i have my phone then it's reasonable to assume that it is me um but yeah so um 
Now, let's come back to that question if you have any answer for it. But my experience, what was uh, why I was more annoyed is that I had Google Authenticator. In, in this scenario, it was Microsoft Authenticator app. Um, and I had like good five, six, you know, accounts, uh, you know, uh, registered with, with, with the app. Now, when I did the backup of my previous phone, it was, there was, um, I didn't, when I backed up all the things that I thought was necessary, but I didn't think, or you can't, uh, really back up all the, um, the, the, you know, the, the QR code or the, the long string of text, which represents the QR code. So, and I, I intuitively thought that that would be saved in cloud because I have a Microsoft account and I've registered these five, six. And, you know, it very much looks like that it, it looks like, okay, that might not be a good argument, but it appeared as so that, you know, these information are saved um, in cloud because I couldn't find a way to back them up either. So when I opened my uh, new phone and the old phone I've gotten rid of by then, uh, the Authenticator app, I logged in and it's all empty. And I tried to restore and there, there is, there is, uh, there is no way to restore. So now, not only do I have to um, sort of re-authenticate myself when I log in, but I actually have to prove that it is me without having access to the to the yes. second factor, yes. and that becomes a lot more uh, hassle because then they would, you know, automatically assume that you're not who you say you who are. You are right? Yes. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's I, I do have an opinion. I do have an opinion. Yeah. And, uh, opinion alone and knowledge about knowledge, why yes. one uh, is better than the other. And I've, I've gone through that whole experience, by the way. <laughs> I've actually lost everything and I had to re-authenticate every, uh, everywhere. Luckily, wherever I had those tokens, I also had a phone number so I could receive an SMS as a backup. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get back in or sometimes I had to call the contact center to authenticate my ID and then install it. But let's break it down. So you experienced, uh, f your first question was, why yes, Why not SMS and why the token? Which Why is one more secure than the other, even though it's mm -hmm. all coming to the phone? So you have to look at uh, one main thing. SMS comes to you, token is generated on your phone. One is local and one is external. So, so have you heard of SMS spoofing? So someone can actually spoof your number and receive an SMS, modify it and send it to you. Oh, right. No. So there is SMS spoofing. So that's why SMSs are not very secure. And SMS is actually coming from somewhere to you. Whereas the token is generated on your phone. So it's local. So you actually don't have to receive something. It is already there on your phone. Now, because it is there on your phone, it is not on your cloud to make it more secure. So you cannot take and a cloud it's also backup. available outside of network. Outside of your phone. Outside of your phone, it's not available. Like if, no, and also if you're in a remote place where you don't have the mobile network, you can't receive SMS. But you can't you receive SMS, but you can still generate the code. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you can still generate the code. I mean, the code is automatically generated. So what you're referring to when you use Microsoft Authenticator or Google Authenticator is TOTP, time, one-time password. Okay, time-based. Why time-based? 
because when you first try to create so for for people who don't know what uh, what we are talking about there is an app called google authenticator or microsoft authenticator and there are many authenticator apps so when you try to say log into your gmail account and you want to enable two factor authentication the first thing is you give your mobile number that's the most simplest the second is you ask to have an authenticator app which will generate a code for you so what you do they give you a qr code you scan it with your mobile phone and then it generates a code on your phone and that code changes every 30 seconds to 60 seconds depending upon the app that you use the one that i use google authenticator it changes the code every minute so every 60 seconds so the minute you've scanned your qr code you have generated now you have a token that changes every 1 minute you use that token to log in or authenticate and once that is set then every time you log in if it asks for your sms mobile number or this token you can uh, enter it and you can log in and in case you lose your phone your phone gets broken your phone gets stolen you lose your phone etc you can still log in with your phone number your sms because it's linked to your number not even your sim card because you can get a sim card replacement with the same number so it's linked to your number so you can still log in uh this uh, totp why it is totp so in this app what happens is when you try to scan the qr code the server the place from where the authentication happens it syncs with the time of where uh, of when you use the app so suppose you log in uh, so you uh, install the app and then you uh, generate the token at say 11 am on any day say 11 am on 27th august okay 11 am 27th august the server knows that okay the server is constantly generating tokens okay and that token has the same algorithm that's generated on your phone so the server will every 60 seconds it will generate the same token that's generated on your phone but you have to synchronize your phone with the server even though it's generated locally you have to synchronize the time and that synchronization is basically when you actually install the app so that's why sometimes when you change time zones or there is a time sync issue you have an option to sync the time with the servers and then all the tokens are generated and the server is also generating the code so this the code that you provide it's validated with the code that the server generates and then you are allowed to go in so that's how it works so that's how it's very secure and this well, an interesting question on on this so um obviously nowadays with with you know smartphones always being connected to internet we all choose to you know choose the time of the phone we don't manually put it in we just say that get it from the internet automatically yes exactly but if i was to not do that if i was to disable that and set up set up my time manually and it was 5 minutes ahead or later uh, earlier than than the actual time would it would the authenticator app on that phone work no it will not work i've tried ah. it so what happens is so yes uh, what will happen is your uh, phone if it is out of time 
then your uh, tokens will not work and i have i've experienced it i was like i'm trying this token the token is valid why is it not working and then i went into into the setting and i saw there is a time sync option and i synchronized the time of the server with the app and it was working fine and it does happen so you make sure that the time on your phone is accurate and it's synchronized with the internet servers and in our previous episode we talked about utc and that is one of the ways in which you can synchronize your time you don't have to worry about time zones you have a time standard and everything is synchronized against that standard so that is again very important coming to your second question what happens because see you change phones and google thought about it i'm sure microsoft would have also thought about it so what happens is because everything is stored locally when you change your phone you lose everything and that has happened i have actually lost everything so google came up with a brilliant idea you can transfer all the codes to your new phone so if you use google authenticator app and you have all the things i have almost 20 different services on my phone so if you scroll i have a big list where i have the tokens of every every single thing i have i have for gmail for facebook for linkedin for zoom for discord everything so crypto crypto websites i have i have them for banking websites i have them for my tax i have it so i have i have tokens for almost every website that you can think of and imagine if i have to do that for everything if i change my phone so google said fine just export all the tokens from this phone to the new phone so you get a code you use that code on your new phone and you get all your tokens that's it simple but, problem but, solved okay this is first of all this is really helpful to know because um i didn't get that option in microsoft authenticator um and i thought it was more out of security that they're not storing my my so they're not storing it right but it is synchronized against a time and that time and that code is also generated on the server so if you know what what uh, the time when it was generated then using that same principle you can actually uh uh export it to the new phone you take the time okay. you take the codes is, and then you put it to the new phone but this They is not possible when yeah. you have a purchase a new phone and you have both the phones and you're trying to switch but if you lost your phone how would you so if you lost your phone you lost your codes you can't do yeah, that so... you can't do anything about it So this yeah, is so only that, this only works when for, especially for you when you have 20 or more accounts um you know how how would you it, it should there not be a backup you know when you scan, first of all when you're adding that account you're scanning a QR code or there is no backup code. that's the security there is no oh. backup so the backup is your phone number so in case i lose my phone i get a new sim card it is mm-hmm. it is a hassle it is a hassle but that's the reality of it because the thing is if you lose your phone someone else finds it and they then use it to log in so yeah. that's why i protect my phone with biometrics with a face face recognition with a pin etc so my phone you can log in using your uh, a pin a fingerprint or my face mm-hmm. so if someone steals my phone they still can't get in even right. google can't lock the phone un- unlock the phone because it's local encryption so the encryption on the phone is local so even google doesn't know what the pin is without the pin they cannot unlock my phone it is that secure right so this is um probably 
less related to MFA, but this is just one thing I thought that uh, to say to our audience is that if you think that um, you know adding all of these different types of um, biometrics is is more secure than I have fingerprint as well as face, but it's actually less secure. <laughs> it's it's the least secure way of logging in is going to be the it's going to be your standard you're thinking fingerprint is the is is very secure but your facial id is is not as secure as fingerprint now if you're thinking oh i have both that means you have as security as much security as the least secure uh media uh of, of logging in so if you have both then your facial id is is the weakest link um, and and you know the funny thing is I was uh, recently thinking about all these things, and then I realized that uh, suppose a, a robber comes and he tries to he or she tries to steal my phone. <clears throat> what happens? They take the phone, they take my thumb, they put it on my phone, and they unlock the phone. Okay, that's one thing. Second thing is they take my phone, they show it in front of my face. I close my eyes, I keep it closed, but suddenly I have to open and the phone is unlocked okay so with facial recognition or with fingerprint they've still managed to unlock my phone with pin it's better because i have to type physically right yeah yeah so yeah. pin is actually more more secure so that's why whenever there is a software upgrade or any many major thing they don't ask for biometrics biometrics is for convenience it's as you rightly said it is not very secure especially when someone try, is trying to steal your phone and they can easily put your thumb yeah, or cut your thumb or take it. Yeah. <laughs> they can do that personally. And also, um, a lot of the times you're trying to protect your data or information not from the person who is, who is stealing it, but from your friends and family. Yes. And um, nowadays, uh, before fraping was what had become a wa word, which was you know a combination of Facebook rape, we, where basically your friends somehow get temporary access to your Facebook and, uh, you know, put in funny and, you know, unwanted Facebook statuses, etc. Uh, you don't see that now happening nowadays because your phone or, you know, getting even temporary access has become so difficult. But, you know, what, you know, you still want everyone to be away from your phone. But, you know, what if you're sleeping and, you know, you're in a sleepover with your friends and your thumb is, is right out in the open with, with your phone. So, um, you know, and also, unfortunately, not all friends turned out to be good friends. And you probably don't <laughs> want to share a lot of information when you're sleeping, uh, you know, on, with your phone. So um, there are, you know, lack of security in, in these these scenarios this well. this type of scenario so these are more for convenience if you're if you have to try to remember the pins and passwords every time then it's a inconvenience so on your phone you can enable biometrics but of course that carries the risk that someone can easily swipe your finger and log in and that's why most of the apps now they have an extra authentication so on top of the authenticate the pin that you use to log into your so on top of the pin that you use to log into your phone, you also have a pin for different apps, especially banking apps or email apps. So that makes it more secure. So I've enabled it. So now if someone gets even gets access to my phone, they cannot easily get access to my banking apps, financial apps, mostly financial apps, and maybe some email apps and social media apps. So you are pin protected. And that pin protected could be anything. So you can actually encrypt individual apps on your phone, especially on Android. I'm not sure about uh, iPhone, but on Android, you can actually encrypt uh, 
individual apps and that is actually makes it even more secure so even though your phone is unlocked they still can't get into the apps because see with the unlocked phone what can you do you can't do much you can send maybe an sms you can get something you can make a phone call etc but you still need those details and those details are inside those apps and if you protect those apps that's key so that's possible now Right. Okay. So I actually didn't know about this feature. This this could be quite helpful for me and a lot of the audience, all of the, all of the listeners and viewers. I would say and add uh, to to know about these security features. What how what do you do? Um, so you so basically, uh, you protect individual app applications. Yes. 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 Okay. For example, I have my online banking app. Right. So every I mean when I turn it on, I already have to give my fingerprint or password and that is stipulated by the bank um, anyway. So the extra authentication is, so suppose your phone is unlocked and someone just nicks it. Okay. Mm. And uh, they need to know your pin. So your pin of the phone, they don't know the pin of your phone. So the same pin you can use to uh, protect your app. So your WhatsApp or your, uh, your uh, Facebook or your Gmail account. So same pin, so it's exact same pin or exact same fingerprint. But now if your phone is unlocked, they have to individually unlock it with the same pin. So but if they already have, if they have the pin, if they have the pin, then you're, then you're like gone. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're screwed right. basically. But if they don't have your pin, and they have an unlocked phone, they can still recover. But can you do, um, no, I, I get that. They can still use uh, sending an SMS or whatever. Without... They can still send an SMS, but if they don't know your pin and they have your phone, which is unlocked, they still need that pin to unlock the other apps. And it becomes right. a, it becomes a, uh, like a challenge because every time you have, to, you have to use the app, you have to type in a pin. Mm -hmm. So it's an extra layer of protection in case your phone is unlocked and stolen. So that's, yeah, I, I use that basically right okay so uh, is you're saying uh, instead of biometric because in all of my banking apps and all of the sensitive apps for example they have their authentication anyway whenever i open they have the their authentication anyway on top of that you can still add an extra layer so normally what right. happens is the banking apps will have biometrics which are biometrics of your phone they don't have they don't create separate biometrics Right, mm. the banking apps don't are they are not creating separate biometrics, and your biometrics no. are stored locally on your phone. Yeah, so yeah. what they say is, okay, you have your authentic, you have your code to log in. Once you log in, that's fine. But then you enable your biometrics. That biometrics is authenticated, validated with the biometrics on your phone, and then it allows you to log in. So they know that the person who's trying to log in is the person on the phone. Uh, whose biometrics are stored on the phone. So mm. the biometrics are actually the phone's biometrics, not the app's biometric, but that's a protection yeah. which the phone is, uh, which the phone is providing on the app. Similarly, instead of biometric, you can, you can use your uh, phone's pin to protect your banking app on top of the right. banking app pin. I see. So yeah. an extra layer inconvenience, but yes, you can do that. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, people who are listening, who this applies to, and I, I would imagine it might apply to a lot of people, you know, it, it doesn't have, you don't have to be like, you have to have billions of pounds or dollars in your bank account, but you know, whatever app is important to you to keep secure, um, you know, you might want to look at adding these extra layer features that uh, security. And I, I would look 
you know, look through my apps as well to see, you know, there might be something that I haven't even thought of. Like, for example, my home uh, CCTV camera access, uh, I might not want to, you know, yes. but easily available to everyone. So there could be various, various things that you might want to protect with an extra layer of security. And it is good to know. Thank you, Amit, for, for bringing this up. Oh, so yeah, this this was uh, quite a knowledgeable um, uh, episode for me. I've, I've, you know, learned a lot. Actually, I've thought about a few things that I hadn't actually thought about. And although I, you know, had felt the hassle or the annoyance before in in you know uh, in the past, but I even while I was annoyed and while I was authenticating. I know, I remember I was thinking to myself that, look, this is how secure the systems are nowadays and how difficult it would have been for an imposter. So, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's something to appreciate. Even when you are going through it, uh, do, do, you know, tell yourself or you can see it for yourself while you're going through it, that how difficult it is for, for an imposter and how it would become impossible um, you know, for them to get access to all of these things. And nowadays, scamming is, you know, unfortunately, it hasn't gone down. It, it, it's still happening in newer and more innovative ways. And we need to, we need to be aware of these things. And, um, you know, multi-factor authentication protects us from, from various, these various one security vulnerabilities like this. So um, it's something to appreciate and uh, something to be aware of. And it's also good to know how they actually work. For example, this timed OTP. Timing factor, I had actually no idea. And I, a lot of the times I, you know, obviously do it, enter it within that 60 seconds. But I did wonder that, okay, if I just took a note of the code and waited a couple of minutes and what would happen? And I never actually ended up doing it, but <laughs> Uh, I now know that it won't work, and that, that's that's quite um, you know that's that's quite uh, interesting. It is a very simple thing, and uh, that's why it was uh, it's now very popular. And uh, but the physical factor, things that you own, like your smartphone. So a lot of times, what I mean, recently what has happened is that Google sends you a prompt. So you try to log in with your username and password, it sends you a prompt. A prompt is basically saying, okay, yes, I'm trying to log in and you just have to click on okay on your phone. So you don't have to enter a token, you just have to click on a prompt. So that's more easy. The other bit, I mean, we've talked about SMS, we've talked about OTP and we've talked about this prompts. The other bit is you have a USB device with a fingerprint reader. So you just press on it. So it's a, the USB device is always plugged on your phone and uh, it's a physical device so it's plugged not not on your phone on your laptop or on your desktop and uh, what happens is you plug it in and it has like a fingerprint reader style of chip and uh, whenever you log in after your username or password you just press you with your thumb or any other finger and then it authenticates using that usb token physical token and then it lets you in there is no otp there is no uh, token time based token there is no sms there is uh, nothing just press with your finger and then it logs you in so i have that device as well uh, a yubikey device google has their own device as well i think it's a titan key or something and uh, we'll we'll mention the links in the description but basically you can use that device 
there is an extra layer of protection it's a physical device so you have to protect it if some if you lose it then it's gone of course if you lose it no one else can use it because it's tied to your fingerprint so it is it is actually quite uh, useful so i think it's important that we are aware of all these technologies and how technology is rapidly progressing where uh companies and businesses they are trying to figure out a way to get rid of passwords completely like how do you authenticate a person online how do you prove someone's identity online without a password without a token without anything so companies are trying to figure that out because passwords get hacked passwords people forget passwords get lost people it's there's so many issues with passwords so that's why companies are trying to figure out a better way to log in and with so many websites plethora of websites ebay amazon facebook instagram google any shopping websites etc you have to create a login to track certain things track an order track a service track your insurance etc so you need so many usernames and passwords for different services but it's difficult to remember everything so that's why it's important to have a password manager and companies are now trying to figure out a way to bypass all this Absolutely. No, you're right. And this has been an issue even before the age of internet again, um, you know, identifying yourself. And before we used to have a lot less secure uh, signatures in by hand and uh, uh, a lot of, you know, you see movies even now that, you know, uh, people going to the bank and, you know, pretending to be someone else and sign forging a signature or things like that. And you know this this has you know obviously with with remote uh, remotely doing things online it has opened a new dimension of of uh, um identifying yourself so that's why it's quite important and uh, yeah uh, you know I'll urge the audience again to to be aware of all of this technology and utilize them they are for your protection um but at the same time don't underestimate the strength of passwords either uh, do use different passwords for different accounts and uh keep using different um you know things like small small letters capital letters numbers characters etc in your password no 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 don't 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 huh? <laughs> <laughs> don't promote that because it's uh, difficult for people to remember use a passphrase instead of a word that's Pass the most phrase, yeah. most most secure way of uh, like uh, uh logging in so instead of a word say dummy you use dummy is a bright person so it's a long word that you can easily remember but it's instead of a word it's a phrase dummy is a bright person and you can easily remember that so and that makes it more secure because it's a very long uh, long character so you have uh, a lot of characters and even if someone has to brute force it because it's so long it'll take a lot of time yes so, yeah. absolutely so yeah uh basically you know maintain the password hygiene uh, and go back to our episode on 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 that uh to to get some more information and uh, perspective but again thank you very much guys for joining us on this episode this is again our 50th episode quite a bit milestone and um thank you guys who who joined us along the way or have been with us throughout uh really do appreciate you guys to to make this a success we do get regular unique listeners on all our platforms and we're very satisfied and happy with how this is going and we plan to just carry on uh as as long as it's helping people or making people aware of the about the latest technology 
So yeah, please do um, do reach out to us, interact in all of these different ways that are possible. And uh, thank you again. Thanks, everyone.